0: this is also why I don't like BIPOC as a, as a denominator for, for a bunch of people because the dark-skinned black experience is not the same thing as the light-skinned dark experience down to who, how many people have died in COVID, right? There is a divide along the color lines that we are not talking about. So we say that, oh, black people have this experience. I'm looking like, baby, my dark-skinned black ass has a very different experience than your non-dark-skinned black ass. And the idea that my bringing up something makes me divisive or that makes me racist is your way of gaslighting me.
1: The term people of color was introduced in the Oxford Dictionary in 1796. Since then, the term has evolved to become black, indigenous, and people of color, to differentiate the experiences of black and indigenous people in the West and global North.
2: But is it unifying or is it erasure? Today we discuss if it's actually unifying black and brown people or if it's lost all meaning.
1: What's good everybody, I am Donovan.
2: And I'm Constanza Eliana.
1: Welcome to Stranger Fruit. All right, so today we're having a very interesting conversation about unity in POC. And unless you've been living under a rock, you can know that things are a little bit of a mess. So the reason why I wanted to have this conversation, I'm gonna start out with a little anecdote, is because I wanna start tackling anti-blackness, period. All over the place, wherever it resides. And when we were casting for this show, my co-host and producer and I and the team it was so fucking hard to find people of color who are willing to have this conversation with us. So I just want to start off by saying that. And then I want to get really, really personal and ask y'all, do you think, based on what we've been experiencing, what you've seen, that unity in POC, just the term POC and BIPOC, does that mean anything to you? Do you feel like that's real? Do you think that that is something that is actually in existence where there's unity?
0: Oh Lord. Um, I'm going to say yes and no. Okay. I think there is a desire for something. I think that there's even marginal work for something. But what I'm seeing is a lot of kumbaya. Um, people don't want to recognize the harms of the past and the way that those harms are still present and instead want to be like, well, let's start from here and go forward together. I'm looking like, boo-boo. Restitution must be paid first. You have to acknowledge the harms first, how anti-blackness has shown up first. If you want to be able to move forward and right now i'm like i don't understand how you move forward before you give credence to the past isn't that the very definition of sankofa Mm -hmm. we say that i'm like but you have to look back so that you can go forward so you don't repeat the same nonsense that you've already done otherwise what we do is continue to lean toward power so that power being in people who have masculine bodies over feminine bodies that power being over light skinned somebodies versus darker skinned somebodies that power leaning toward skinny somebodies instead of instead of fat and thick somebodies right so we continue to lean toward power and i'm just like you say you want it but how badly do you want it because that requires the dismantling of everything that you know
1: yeah and that's why i wanted to start out with you the therapist our resident therapist because you know in your own personal life it's just like you have to address what's going on with you, you have to call the thing a thing, you gotta do what it do so that you can get to the next place. And when I think about, you know, once again, pandemic times, we think about like, what happened when George Floyd died? I mean, the way that all of the, you know, I would say from the news to the blogs to the influencers, everybody's marching, everybody's talking about how this is terrible. And for the first time, right, we can acknowledge like, wow, we see this wide array of different kinds of people saying enough is enough. I was like, whoa, I'm clutching my pearls. Like, is this a real thing? Like, do these people actually give a fuck? And then I saw anti-Asian violence happening, right? And on the grapevine, we'd had conversations about that, got to speak to the community about that. That was very interesting we also saw legislation be moved as a result of anti-Asian violence, right? Which we also, you know, I think there was a lot of criticism about that. But the biggest thing is, is that a lot of times, I said this on Twitter before, it's about energy. We had that energy for a moment and I loved it. It was fantastic. But do y'all feel like that energy still exists now? Do you feel like that's around? Catalina, go ahead.
3: Absolutely not. It's a token moment Um, in the Latino space. I saw a lot of performative solidarity. Um, Saw a lot of tokenism. I saw a lot of attempts to tokenize me that I did not engage with. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I just feel like it's something that, like this unity, it's something that, yes, it exists in theory. It's a very nice theory. It's a cute fantasy, It's cute. But in actuality, you know, in regards to the actual efforts that need to be taken and, and made um, in order to provide equity or work towards it, um, I think people really recognize in that moment, you know, where they stood on that scale in regards to the harm that they produced, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in which case, a lot of people did not like that mirror being held up to them, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of white guilt, <laughs> a lot of, I'm not like that, I'm not racist, I'm a good person. That's something I hear a lot in the Latino space, particularly by white Latinos, right? Mm-hmm. Who don't recognize that like, you know, being a good person doesn't, you know, take away your participation in racism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like that's the best way I can answer that. Like, there's a lot of performative solidarity and a lot of pain that, I feel like pain is, uh, it's not only warranted, but it's um, it's something that, you know, should be respected, yeah. you know? When do we get to be angry, you know what I mean? Um, and when does that get to be respected? Um, I feel like that time was special because it allowed for a lot of people to finally listen to black uh, Latinos in the space. Um, but also I just feel like the repercussion of that has been um, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, it's something that ha- I am I met with the, audace- the audacious uh, response of like, it-, it happened two years ago. My We're better now. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, like, we have you. I'm like, don't do that. They try it. You know, we have you, we have people like you. I'm like, who else besides me? I don't see nobody like, yeah. oh, I'm like, yes, exactly. You know, like, I am mm-hmm. not a solution. One black person in one room is not a solution. Yes. You know? yes. Um, and to your point,
4: yeah. I, I agree yeah. that I, I believe it was a lot of performativeness of happening mm-hmm. in all these different spaces. And um, like you said, yeah, when when George when the George Floyd situation happened, and we were seeing all these different types of people coming out for the marches and all that, it it was nice. But I was sitting back because I was like, something something right about this here. <laughs> Something's in the water. Something's in the water. And for me, it came clear when people started rioting, like when things started going getting a little violent, because we were so upset. From I don't know if I was watching the same news as everybody else, but the people that I saw on the front lines were all black people. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like those same, this unity that we had kind of fell to the back. Like when it was peaceful and it was all walking, and holding hands, holding signs, it was good. But once the dogs and the hoses came out, mm-hmm. where was everybody at?
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And so for me, that's why the, even the term people of color, to me, is a way, it, to me, it seems like it's a way for other, you know, race, ethnicities, whatever you want to call them, to have one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to be under the big umbrella of oppression and be aligned with you know black people and with people who are who are being oppressed but then you can choose when you want to be in it and when you want to be out of it because you're still not talking about the anti-blackness that that you have contributed mm. to the whole to the whole situation so i don't even like the term and to me it's too close to the word color so it also <laughs> gives me like, a little ptsd it's like it's, it's too much like what it's too much
1: for me Thank you, Juice. Ilana, I actually here. want to jump you into this <laughs> yeah, yeah. really quickly too, because you know, you're behind the scenes, you saw the process of trying to get people of color to have that this conversation, conversation. Yeah. and how fucking hard that is. Yeah. Do you think that people of color, especially people who are not Afro-Latina, for example, identify, you know, from a phenotype of blackness yeah. or very brownness, where you are just, oh yeah, you want to right. know. How how do you feel about whether or not people are ready to have this conversation with POC?
2: I think people say that they're ready behind the scenes, and that was one of the things that I experienced a lot of, is people are having a lot of online conversations, and to your point, that feels very performative to you. And what I was witnessing was, well, if people are having these conversations online, they definitely want to come to the show and have it in person. And what we experienced was the opposite. There was a lot of people that were like, yeah, no, I'm interested, but, 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 but. And so I think that um, you know, for, for me being a part of the show and being invited to the show, y'all, Donovan is my boss. <laughs> and I, I really respect that, right? I respect the fact that I am invited into this conversation. And what was really disappointing for me was um, inviting other people to come to the conversation, South Asians, Asians in general, um, Latinos, and not, them not taking that invitation seriously. And does it feel that way to you that they didn't really take the invitation to come to the table seriously in the last two years, five years, ten years? Whoever. I don't think
4: it's that. I think there's an anxiety behind accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where you can have these conversations online and there's that degree of separation, yeah. that third wall between you. It's right. different when you have to look somebody in the eye and they tell you, like, you haven't supported me. There's an anxiety that people have there being and having to own that. Right. And so I think they took it so serious that you're scared to show up because you're like I don't know if I'm if I'm walking into somewhere where everybody's gonna be attacking me Am right. I gonna have to represent my all of my people like wh- what do I do here? And some of us are used to doing it and, and take that and put that on our backs and right. carry it But it's not for everybody
2: and do you think that comes from this idea okay. of like cancel culture and all of these things like happening at the same time because not only have we had the pandemic, but we've also had that point too where we want to strive for accountability culture, but everyone's calling it cancel culture. And then we're having the protest on top of that, and then we're having separate conversations about anti-Asian hate. There's a lot going on at the same time. Do you think that's part of it? Um, that anxiety? Well, I
4: think that, I think all of that comes into it. I just think with for me particularly with black people, I think we're used to being held oh, yeah. accountable. So for us, it's not an unfamiliar water to walk in, whereas other people have not, are not used to being held accountable. And so there's a higher level of anxiety mm-hmm. for them because now it's like, I'm, I don't even know where I'm at right now. Well, we're always used to people pointing the finger at us and saying, this is what you did, you need to admit it. We're used to that. Other other people are not. And so that's their anxiety is a lot higher than us and they also don't know how to handle it. Like. Like, we know how to handle because we, it's been forced upon us for so long. Mm-hmm. Can I add to that, that yes, what's no, yeah. in it for me,
6: right? Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of POC and this unity train, nobody's willing to go to the final destination. And mm-hmm. so people are falling for symbolism, which is why it feels like it was performative. So like when the symbolism happens, oh, you know, Nancy Pelosi kneeled. Okay, I can get off the train. We fixed racism. Like the POC, we're all unified. And so the next stop is, okay, they passed this legislation. Okay, I'm getting off the train. And so what you're feeling like that accountability is people are not willing to stay on to the final destination. Like what are you willing to actually do? Because words are nice, but where are the actions? And who's gonna be willing to stay on that train to the final stop? A lot of people are really big talking about it, but they're not really willing to do anything. Which the look skin is what we're the asking
0: them to do. We're asking people to literally dismantle the very identities that they were born into, right? Mm -hmm. So now you have to look at your mom, you have to look at grandma, you have to look at the intergenerational passing of the anti-blackness that has gone from one generation to the next to the next. You have to look at yourself and all of a sudden now you have a new identity, oppressed oppressor. Mm -hmm. How many people are ready and willing to contend with that particular identity, right? Because. That, that still requires mm-hmm. work because in acknowledging that you are an oppressed oppressor, you're acknowledging that you have something to heal from but that you also have work to do so that you don't harm others. And quite frankly, I find that people like to give lip service mm-hmm. to what it means to acknowledge and really see others but they don't wanna actually walk that walk because it's work, mm-hmm. it is a mm-hmm. lot of work and it's a lot of work coming off covid right it's a lot of work period but coming off covid yeah. coming off loss of jobs loss of housing loss of friends family members you know all these deaths that happened to, because of covid like and now these other rights that are the things that you thought was going to be around for a little while longer are now yeah. gone so it's we're we're living in this space of of uncertainty And now we're asking people to further examine their identities. Now, I'm not saying don't ask them. I'm saying that um, they're not always going to be willing to go there, to go that extra mile, to do that extra step. And yeah, so people pick it up and put that shit down whenever the fuck they feel like it. And then they look at me while I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, you wanna be an ally, I give it to you after you die. Right? <laughs> I need an ally, I need
4: an accomplice. Word. I'm looking <laughs> like
0: ally, accomplice, <laughs> co <laughs> conspirator. I we that, need all need three, but I'm just like, I think are it they also ready? has
5: to do with do they really wanna give up their place on the hierarchy of. Oh. Society, like of global society, not just American society. They just want to. They don't. Yeah. They don't really want to give up that power that they have. Like, oh, I'll go out and march temporarily or show my solidarity with this little black box on Instagram. But still, not about me. It's still not affecting me. I still have. I'm still above black people. You can say. Um, And I also think. Part of it, like with other communities, um, like South Asian communities, Asia, other Asian communities in particular, it might also just be, and of course I can't speak for the, like those entire communities, but maybe like a forgetting of history with looking at um, movements in the past between like South Asians and Black people in particular. Like if you go to the UK um, in the from the 50s to the 80s. Black and like Tamil people were coming together and fighting for um, like fighting against oppression with like the Institute of Race Relations um, and also um, just the discrimination they were having in like British society. You can look at Trinidad and like the '70s with like black and South Asian people coming together fighting for like labor rights. So I think there's just like a forgetting that maybe the younger generations, particularly in the U.S., um, have. Um, because of this like model minority myth that is here. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, that's part of it. I think it's I think forgetting interest, though, is because it's if you look at the history,
6: mission. they were on board and then they sued to be white. Mm. So that's why they don't want to remember it because mm-hmm. they were on board until they got the rights and then yeah. when Congress said that only white people could have this rights, then they sued to be white.
5: Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. So. You see how that right,
2: and there's a lot of history with that too, with Latinos also. A lot of brown Latinos who were visibly brown, not white yeah. passing, visibly brown, were being put on the census and checking off the Caucasian box. Cuban. Because, yes, yeah. Cubans. Yeah. And, and yeah. but literally any brown person that wasn't phenotypically black, they were checking off the Caucasian box. And I and I want to ask you all about just the term POC, BIPOC, all of that. You know, BIPOC was actually created by a black woman to include black folks so that they weren't being erased from the POC label. But how do we feel about that label? Is it being used properly? Do we subscribe to it? Do you just prefer black? Like, I
0: prefer
2: black. black. <laughs> yeah. I would say you wouldn't like, would tell me
0: that my, my T-shirt is BIPOC. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me that it's black. right? And we, I think we use those terms to remove black. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
7: For me, it's like double-edged because I get how under white supremacy and oppression we all experience oppression or white supremacy, but at the same time, I feel not even necessarily just erased, but I feel like like now that I obviously I know that a black woman started, I get in regards to my opinion. Okay, look, on the grand scheme of things, oppression we all experience it. However, the other side that I don't fuck with it is because. It's being used wrong because now it's being used to center whiteness. So mm-hmm. I feel like, and this is what I mean by center whiteness. White people try to use it as a way of saying, okay, BIPOC.
1: Right.
7: Because if, again, we know black people aren't a monolith, but if we combine all you brown mm-hmm. and black folk together, <laughs> then I don't have to be held accountable or understand that, you know, as a Latina, I'm going to treat you differently right. as a black person. And as an Indian person, I'm going to treat you differently than a Filipino. Right. So when I just put you and lump you in as BIPOC, oh, You know, we got the token, people, everything's good. And I feel as if it it centers whiteness in regards to, it's also... uh, What's the other word? Um, Making it more palatable for them, so they're not held as accountable, you know? if If I see you all as just this black and brown blob of people, then I'm not going to have to acknowledge that, you know, I've given certain of uh, people in this BIPOC community certain privileges because they were closer to my whiteness right. or because they made me more comfortable because they were lighter skin. And as a result, I feel like that's why we sort of like privilege in the allyship. We talk about the train, like when did they get off? I mean, if I had a privilege, I'm not going to give it up. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know that like, and, and the, the other thing about it is, was also the a mindfuck is oftentimes we have black and brown folk because our colorism works. Tell me if I'm wrong but normally it's not even about biracial it's like normally even in black and Latin culture all cultures There's usually usually the man is dark skinned And the mom is light skinned and usually you might have a brown or lighter skinned child So then it's also this weird dichotomy that you might have the father who seek out a lighter skinned person So they their children could be lighter so they don't have to go through the bullshit that other POC would give to a darker skinned person Or you might have the lighter skinned mom who's like look I like black men because my dad or my mom were black, but because, you know, bloodlines, I'm just having to be lighter skin. So then they may be trying to project that notion of, okay, look, yes, I may not be like you, but you are this. So there's this weird dichotomy of are some black and brown people in a BIPOC community trying who acknowledge that there's light skin privilege and colorism and Mm -hmm. things like that. Are they trying to dismantle it? Or are they also trying to keep up with it because again it gives them power and privilege
3: i love what you said at the end because what it alludes to is what you know basically the establishment of latin america as a whole with mestizaje Mm -hmm. it was literally like a social order that was put out in order to brown everybody and we've seen this so like the theory of like bipoc was already like materialized all throughout latin america it was on purpose they um, had European people like mm-hmm. come into Latin America to like have sex with black people to brown everybody You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So this was literally this comes. This is a get the This is like an example of something that already is like institutionalized even on a bigger level and how's it going for us? Right. horribly <laughs> yeah. because like the legacy continues black Latinos dark skin, black Latinos are still left here, right? Mm -hmm. And white Latinos are still here. That hierarchy still Mm -hmm. exists, Mm -hmm. no? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna
6: say because I, when I even hear the term black and and brown, it's just reminding me of the erasure of those of us who are black and latino yes. mm. exhibit wow. already mm-hmm. so we say black and latino community. you erase all of the black latinos yeah. in that statement immediately right. in fact they're trying to legislate to do it so they're trying to redefine blackness because unlike on twitter where everybody claims to be afro-latino everybody with a, a curl pattern who <laughs> wow. actually Jesus. checks that black box on the census is way less like maybe 10 percent of the people that are on twitter so Whenever you ask for, like, the Afro-Latino opinion, it's not people that look like me, no. yeah. not people that look like Catalina, it's, it's the Lopez. people yeah. that yeah. look like Dasha Polanco, <laughs> right? But the people that are actually checking the mark on the box is less, and so now they're trying to legislate to redefine, to not include those people as black. Mm-hmm. So the right. view of us that are actually black, that are as black, now we're not getting credit for being black. I never thought about it that way. I never yeah. thought about it. Because it's me. like
7: whitewashing. You're now saying right. you're, you're, you're not... It's, it, it goes down, again, censoring whiteness is like, You're not as black, but you're light enough that I feel comfortable that you won't challenge me on the anti-blackness that I give to your black and brown counterparts. Mm -hmm. So, and also we, you're going to, you're going to put a Zoe Saldana above someone who's more dark skin, because again, she's Latin. So she's checking it off for diversity, but she's more palatable to a white person in Midwest. Or, you know, she's not, and it's so weird because we have associated black features with it's so we politicize so much black features that oftentimes when you see a black person speaking on politics or about colorism or this idea of inter- uh, interracial like issues, some white people are literally uncomfortable and so scared just by seeing the image of like a black person talking about it because it's like she's gonna make me feel bad right. and oh, and, yeah. and yeah. oh my god she's she's just so aggressive and oh my god I don't like how she's making me feel when reality. It's not even aggressive. It's just passion, but also it's truth. Right. But yeah. also the issue is not that person. It's you. Like why does right. a wide nose, like four C person with dark skin, make you so uncomfortable that you can't see them depicted in movies and mm-hmm. films, or speaking
1: up, or as the um, little mermaid. yeah, like what's wrong with as you? the Little <laughs> Mermaid? So and she's I want to bring Yeah, I want to bring Jimmy into this because you're Haitian, mm-hmm. and Dr. Christina, are you Haitian as well? Yeah. So you are a Haitian, and I want to like take this moment to acknowledge the fact that y'all share an island with the Dominican Republic and oftentimes are left completely out of the conversation of being Latino. So I wanna know from y'all's perspective, especially Jimmy, I'll let you speak because you haven't spoken yet. How do you feel about being, quote unquote, a part of the community, but often being left out? Do you feel connected at all? And what is, and how do you feel about the POC conversation when you
8: share the island with folks who we do determine to be POC? Well, you know, geography doesn't really matter, right? Mm -hmm uh it doesn't reflect who who haitian people are because haitians they're the the most african people on this side of the world Mm. full stop because our revolution was so early and it was fought you know slavery was very different in haiti whereas like the average lifespan of a slave was four to seven years so you didn't have many multi-generational slaves the revolution was fought by people that remembered home Mm -hmm. and Mm. so despite us being there, we're very African, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's fine that we're not considered Latin. We're not, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's clear, mm-hmm. we're very, very African. Um, with that being said, there are people on, on, in the Dominican Republic that are also very, very African, yeah. mm-hmm. but they no. just have to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they have to just contend with different things that we have, you know, than we have to. Of course mm-hmm. we have our challenges. We have an entire race of people that are just, you know, weak, we would say mulatto, but that's not a derogatory term for us. We call it mulat. That's just half black, half white. And like they've been half black, half white for centuries. They only marry other people, so that are also did, half black, half white. I mean, it's like
1: in Haiti, would you say that there are benefits for being
8: mulatto? I don't want to say the wrong thing, but however you 100%, all say it, one
1: hundred
3: percent, yeah, one hundred
8: percent, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's huge colorism, okay. but it's different, right? You still, you still, you still have a a, a power dynamic of very Powerful black people, but economically though, it's very light skin. So factories, yeah. businesses, light skin politics, dark skin. Um, Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the relationship between Dominicans and Haitians it's like, I mean, when we, I mean, of course you know, you had the through the guy that killed like thirty thousand Haitians, even that is it's complex and it's nuanced. I don't think a lot of Dominicans are anti-Haitian. I think. A lot of them. A lot of times, p- Dominican politicians use Haitians as scapegoats for whatever problems are going yes. on in, in the Dominican Republic, yeah. Yeah. and so it's way more nuanced than uh, Dominicans being anti-black. Got it. You know. Got
1: it.
2: Got it. But I'm it's so interesting. Happy you
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. I was like, please
5: <laughs> don't make
3: DR Because DR is like the poster child for anti blackness. It's true. It's true. People love being like, oh, the what's his name of this stupid ass comedian they got? Me no black, me no black. i Dominican. <laughs> yeah. I don't like, yeah, shut yeah, the yeah, fuck yeah. up. Like, mm-hmm. anti blackness exists everywhere. Yeah. And for some reason, Dominicans always get hit at the brunt of the jokes. That was beautifully said. I just
2: yeah. Oh. And <laughs> what I was going to say to follow up with that is, you know, in Puerto Rico, which is where I'm from, we're all neighbors, all of the Caribbean is pretty much so close together. And there's also, you know, and a lot of Puerto Ricans don't want to admit this, but there's also a lot of anti-blackness that they pass off as xenophobia because of Dominicans that were coming into Puerto Rico for the fact that it's a U.S. territory, they could potentially pass as U.S. citizens and then be able to get to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, But even so, the ones that come to Puerto Rico to stay in Puerto Rico experience a lot of anti-blackness even if they don't present as dark skin and mm. a lot of Puerto Ricans don't want to talk about that. That's
6: crazy. Look yeah. at how they treat Luisa. Luisa didn't get any relief.
2: Right. Yeah. With
6: all of the hurricanes that just happened, Luisa is a traditionally um, black um, city within Puerto Rico. Mm. Mm. And if you go historically over how relief has, efforts have come with devastation, Luisa is the last to get any infrastructure relief, um, any aid, anything. and. Mm-hmm. It's not because the Dominicans are there. But just hearing this right
4: now, for me as a black person, makes me think, and I don't know if this probably sounds crazy, but it makes me think like, okay, I understand everybody wants to march with us, everybody wants to be with us, but y'all have some other stuff in y'all communities that y'all have to work on first and really do some work before y'all come over here and try to support us support yourselves clear up the anti-blackness there then you can come over here and help us with our struggle but it's harder when you're already dealing with your anti-blackness in your community or like the surface level of it because you're not really digging into it and then you're trying to come over here
6: and help us with all the stuff that we're dealing with too it, it becomes it's too not much help, it's survival because i'm black and i, I was live about here. to say that like that it's, was it's, it's, point. It's, it's my it's my and and even that that comment about the cubans earlier all the cubans i know are black what happens is we are the result of like a cult- cultural appropriation. So it's, it's very interesting when you think of like how other people within diaspora can migrate to the US mm-hmm. and the, I, the difference between a black identity um, and a black, a black racial identity and a black cultural identity is understood. So a person can be Jamaican and black, a person can be Haitian and black, a person can be um, Bayesian and black. But when it comes to the, the three Spanish speaking Caribbean islands, it is not understood. And I don't know why, and it's because the mm-hmm. people that exported the black culture were the cultural appropriation. So yes. imagine if hip hop arrived to your country with only like Mac Miller or all of these other white people, you would think it's white <laughs> culture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you would think it's white <laughs> <laughs> culture. <And laughs> makes sense. Right. No, you Look at salsa yeah. and look at reggaeton, yeah. look at yes. rumba, yes.
5: like yeah. cumbia, like it's Everything. all the face of. White and brown Latinos, and yes. meanwhile, the core of those musical genres is black. black as and, and it's circular too, it yeah. even merengue. well. well. Yes.
6: Merengue changed. Like mm-hmm. the merengue that my grandparents played is merengue típico. There's yeah. called a merengue pambiche, which is the one that was exported. Why? Because it was, oh, we want to make sure that it's able to be played in Palm Beach, so it's uh. pambiche. Why? Because they put the big European, mm-hmm. big band uh, horns mm-hmm. and they made it like, like the Sonoras, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, we're just like the Europeans, we're just like the Europeans. Right. Meanwhile, they're killing people for playing that music that look like me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's right? The weird. original yeah. way.
0: What, yeah.
3: Which is why I want to say I completely hear what you're saying, but also I just want to, like, or at least I, I want to pose the question is like the way that I see blackness is Afro diasporic. Um, and I say that because it's. I find it interesting whenever people are like, Latinos, y'all messy. Fix that before you come over here. I'm like, you know, there are parallels between all of our problems. I'm not saying they're all the same. I think all of our problems all deserve its individual respect, mm-hmm. with all of the individual circumstances that have individually contributed to them. And when we look across the scale in regards to what afro diasporic issues are, it's like, if you take away, you know, whatever nation we pertain to, mm-hmm. they're all the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, if it's the goal is for um, Afro diasporans to have equity, it's like, I kind of, I would desire like more uh, empathy within each other in regards to like what these issues are. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like that feeds both to your point as well. And that a lot of people that hear, like my experience in Boston colorists segregated off Boston. What? Boston's crazy. Boston's nuts. So in which case, I'm told in the third grade, you're sitting at the black table or the Spanish table? Third graders, my peers, Mm. you know? And they're like, I'm like, the Spanish table, you mean the table full of black Dominicans? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in which case, they're seeing their blackness as other because what, they speak a language? Because they speak Spanish. What, because their flag is different? I'm like, we all live in the same hood. We all are systematically, you know? I'm not saying- no, yeah, Um, there's of course no one's there, but like I'm like, it's just in- incredible how, you know, we have put these barriers within each other. I'm like, I feel like there needs to be conversations within them that's not being had. And I think co- collectively it's hurting all of us. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. just where I'm at. Yeah. Thank
9: I you, Catalina, go ahead,
1: Mene.
9: I think there are barriers there, but I think a lot of the times, I don't feel like the barriers is coming from black people. I agree mm-hmm. with what you said i think the way i think about it i'm pan-african so i feel that if you black over there you black over here you still black i feel like we're all on the same page mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if i feel like that and then i'm sitting next to somebody like you 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 feel like that too mm-hmm. but there's people that look like you that don't feel like mm-hmm. that yeah and they're like no i'm not that the the video you was talking about there are people that's like no i'm not black
3: mm-hmm. No. and they, they're
9: really like against it yeah so for people that lean into their blackness, someone like me, I'm gonna be like, okay, you don't. I'm not forcing you to be black. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be black, that's fine. You'll find out. But, <laughs> right. but I'm black, I'm black yeah. and I'm proud you to be black. I, So, yeah. like, I, I think a lot of times, like, we just have to stop begging and trying to like get people to see
1: like our humanity. Yeah, all, yeah. like men. just
9: be black, join up with other black people that agree with yes. what you're saying and have the same ideas in mind and move on from there. Like you can't get everybody to yeah. see it. Yeah. That's how that. I feel. We've, we've done that historically.
6: Yeah. One of the Tuskegee Airmen, Esteban Jotece, he was Dominican, but it's like those people that are actually black, that yeah. say that they're black, they're here, but what you're encountering are the same people that we have in Dominican Republic or within uh, Afro-Latinidad, within that because just because you are black racially doesn't mean you're on code, yeah, right? No. So you yeah, you so encounter nice. our Uncle Russes, ruckuses, yes. and you think that's all of us. Right, <laughs> right. Whereas, I don't. No, 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 in saying. general, yeah. like I the Godfrey, God joke is because you, you encounter the Uncle Ruckus. Oh, it's Godfrey, God that's, oh, God that's the Godfrey. Oh, that's the Yeah, oh, I oh, was going to away whole
4: time. Very interesting too. But you also see the way that white people treat, I know for me, for instance, like, everybody's seen my hair before, I have very big curly hair. And so I've seen the difference in how Black people were treated. I went to an all-white school, majority-white school. How Black people were treated, as opposed to Spanish people were treated mm-hmm. a little better than us. Even the ones that were darker-skinned, it was because they had a lot of them had curlier hair, their, their hair texture was different, for or sure. they might yeah, have yeah, more. Yeah, like it was. So then, for the Black person, it's like it's it's hard to not get that wall in your head that there's a divide there when you're seeing that. Okay, we're in the same struggle, but you're like two steps up the, yeah.
6: up from me. But even yeah. so when you sit like, there, you refer to us by our oppressor. Right. We're not Spanish. Not Those Spanish. are the people yeah. that came to our islands, raped our women, killed everybody, and colonized us. Yeah. Like, I am Dominican. I don't even mess with Latinidad because Latinidad is anti black as hell. Mm-hmm. But if you have to put an a, a umbrella on it, okay, I'm Latine. Great. Hispanic is another thing. Mm-hmm. Great but we're not spanish like i would never anybody who looks like me would never be able to get spanish citizenship Mm -hmm. if a person was originally i never knew
5: that uh, originally
6: like they had a great ancestor that was native like a taino person with a espanol by the fourth generation that person qualifies for spanish citizenship Mm -hmm. because they had enough white blood Mm -hmm. by the fourth generation if your ancestor was a black person under the casa system you were never getting spanish citizenship So, so it's just like legacies of traumatization of the colonialism that even people say oh i'm spanish because you hear those uncle ruckuses that come over here they're and so they loud fire yeah. yeah. they're so fucking and, loud. and some of them are white it's fine it's white and, you know and like now it's it's a it's a it's a slur for me to call the white tino's white like oh, when i yeah, tell you oh that God. you're white well I, you feel you know attacked this is, you know,
1: we're going down on time so i want to ask two questions that are really really important to me one is that a lot of like a lot of things that I'm seeing now, people of color and white people, have been saying that black people are racist, yeah, mm-hmm. right? True. Like mm-hmm. like like y'all racist. y'all are the racist ones. What you said is racist because mm-hmm. we're critiquing or we're pushing back, or we're saying or we're making sweeping generalizations about white behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is an interesting conversation to me because it's like before it was like black people get to say whatever you they say, respect black women, make room for black people. And now it's like, okay, well, y'all got some power now, so y'all are racist. Do you feel that it is one, difficult to engage, or can you see that it could be difficult to engage with black people about black issues, about issues that pertain to people of color? That's the first part. And the second part is, is do you think that that conversation is warranted or are they just bullshitting us? My
0: a- goodness. <laughs> There's no such thing as reverse racism. There's no Thank reverse you. colorism. There's no reverse texturism because we're not talking about inter We're not talking about interpersonal problems. We are talking about the system and the system follows that while there, This is also why I don't like BIPOC as a as a denominator for, for a bunch of people because the dark skinned black experience is not the same thing as the light skinned dark experience down to who, how many people have died in COVID,
5: Mm -hmm,
0: right? mm -hmm. There's a divide along the color lines that we are not talking about. Mm -hmm. So we say that, oh, black people have this experience. I'm like, baby, Mm -hmm. my dark skinned black ass has a very different experience than your non-dark skinned black ass. Mm -hmm. And the idea that my bringing up something makes me divisive or that makes me racist is your way of gaslighting me and of trying to preserve your own idea of where of your power because wow. this is a power conversation you're trying to maintain your power by te- wow. by trying to disempower my voice right that's right. all that is so i'm looking like you can take that reverse shit somewhere the fuck else this is not uno like <laughs> this is not uno and and think about it oh, like oh, even oh, in oh, uno oh, when no. you play how do you play to the dealer's left which means that we know which way this shit goes so even when it reverses and it reverses again we say oh it's going back the regular way hello that Mm. is power in the way that the shit goes so the idea of a reverse sounds stupid Mm
3: -hmm.
7: but (laughs) also are we are are we racist because we're called are we racist to call you out on your things or are you just being uncomfortable by the fact that we're holding you accountable or are you uncomfortable the fact that you benefit from the racism because even if even if I was, I feel like prejudice may be an issue, but even if I will go to another dark skinned person, to become colorist, or if I was to go being racist to an Asian person, my thing is how, what can my black ass do to stop that Asian person from living their lives? Because I don't have the uh, power equity to stop you from getting housing. I don't have the power equity to give you a, a a job that works your ass to the bone with no benefits and minimum wage as, as the offer to pay. I don't have the power to allocate your people who look like you in a specific region of the city that has pollution surrounded by it. You know, I don't have access, or I don't have the power to, um you know, not give you a large amount of percentage of funding for your area that I put all the black and brown people at for the education. Right. So it was like, yes, a black person can say racist things and be prejudiced, but in regards to me understanding racism as power, I have no dog in this fight right. and
4: that's yes. what I agree with and all those what, what you said just there is why I always say I'm like black people can't be racist. we can be prejudiced can. as hell mm-hmm. we, can. we can be prejudiced to hell and I might take that on but even with and prejudice okay with that but it's, it's wrong, wrong. be racist
7: but is there some is there is it prejudice also is there some survival listening to it because as a as a black person uh how do I okay. explain it um slavery did its job there's there's light-skinned people yeah. in my family to the point where you would think they're white mm-hmm. and you get to the point where like is my prejudice, yes, it's wrong, but is it is also a result of me being surviving it's in this white supremacist, mm-hmm. colorist society. It's a
4: reactionary. I feel like our yeah. prejudice, black people's prejudice, is reactionary. It's based on the things that we've gone through, the things that keep getting thrown at us. And now that we're reacting, everybody's like, oh, what's going on? And, it's and as on long as, as I'm alive, I'll never let black guilt become a thing. Because that's what oh, they're trying never. to make it now mm-hmm. yeah. black mm-hmm. guilt. Like, how they have white guilt? They're trying to make us feel guilty about being black. To
0: silence and is us. Not, not yeah. Stop the
8: conversations that already make them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not too sold on the idea that we need to sort of be under this people of color umbrella and need to collaborate with other people for us to advance ourselves. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, um, you know, some people do believe that oh, you know, it's better if we all work together. I don't. I, I see other communities advancing themselves without even collaborating with anyone else. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So back when I was a little kid, anybody that was like Mexican looking, you just call Poppy. That's yeah. Poppy. He, he's over here with his, his cerveza. he's drunk sometimes. He's like standing outside of Home Depot, uh-huh. waiting for a gig, you pay him fifty dollars, he'd go fix anything. That's poppy. Right? I went to this place called Union New Jersey recently. in uh, West New York. It looks like you said like this is yeah. far away fucking land. Like, pa- <laughs> yeah, I went to Union New Jersey and West New York. Poppy's everywhere. They own businesses now. So when I was a little kid, Poppy had a service. Uh, drunk we made fun of him. He didn't speak any English. Now he's in Union, uh, Jersey. New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't speak English. Buying up fixer uppers because his cousin knows roofing. Mm-hmm. They know how to h- handle, the, you know, yep. the yard and stuff. They build these houses up. Now they have Poppy has home, e- home equity. Mm-hmm. He's not collaborating with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he he does he doesn't need to, right? And so, and so do we need to? We don't. Right? But you, I mean,
1: I don't know. I don't know <laughs> because I think that Catalina brought up some great points. I think that Thaleo brought up some great points. And we have to acknowledge, one, once again, one of the elephants in the room is that for black folks, a lot of black folks can't wait to be with somebody who's Latina or Latino. Mm-hmm. They cannot wait for their curly-headed baby to come through. Ooh. They cannot wait for their designer pocketbook baby. And when you have people who have like that quiet aspiration for that designer life, so that they can live some of their dream through their baby, right? The collaboration, the depth in which they're willing to go into the community, right? I think it betrays them. They betray themselves oftentimes because what's leading you is not about blackness. It's not about necessarily getting that person on or get that, that put person put on, but there's a lot of, individual identity pursuits and all of the things associated with that, that we have to acknowledge. I think it's one of those things that keeps us separate from not, black people have made amazing, amazing advances in this country. That's first and foremost. Mm -hmm. But I would also say from being critical is that we don't talk about the fact that a lot of these guys, a lot of these rappers in the 90s and the 2000s, all of the video vixens were Dominican women. They were all Puerto Rican women. They were all very light-skinned biracial women Mm -hmm. So we grew up seeing how much we buy into BIPOC, how much we buy into POC, but we don't want to call the thing a thing because as long as you could be potentially black, it means that I'm not a colorist. It means that I'm not racist. It means that I don't hate myself. And it means that Mm. me and my little designer, baby, we good. We clear it. We got everybody pass a paperback test. We just cute it and the rest of y'all fall see motherfuckers. And Mm. it's a hard pill to swallow, but I do believe that it's so much more difficult when you have a shared language, right? in a country where everybody else speaks English, it's a unifier. Yeah. So people who speak Spanish, it's gonna be a bonding moment regardless of what you look like. Even yeah. if people hold on to their colorist, colorist ways and mm-hmm. oh, do know you a little bit darker, whatever, whatever. I will acknowledge that. But there's something to be said about how closely we can get to each other when we actually do aspire to be further and further away from blackness. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the PLC conversation, I feel like hasn't really evolved and we haven't held as many people accountable for it, especially if you really wanna get that girl's number. Mm -hmm. right especially if you really want to get that dude's number or have his baby you know what i'm saying it's just it's one of those things that's really perverse and it's a stumbling block and those are the things that i want people to start talking about a little bit more so that when we get to the poc conversations you know everybody wanted to be have indian in their family we were all trying to be poc (laughs) you know what i'm saying Like, what's good let's have an honest conversation about what's happening here and then i think when we were saying clean up our own mess, and y'all clean up your own mess, I think like we got a everybody got mess to clean up. Yeah. It's just that at this point we can acknowledge that we saw something special happen once again because we had somebody die in the middle of the street. Mm. Is it gonna take that over and, over and over and over and over again for us to say like maybe there's something there because if you aspire to have that POC in your sheets,
5: mm-hmm.
1: right, or that black man in your sheets, whatever that case is, however we're fetishizing in the moment, that is not enough. To legislate. That is not enough to move the dial forward, right? We need to bring things out into the open. And I want the next time that we have this fucking conversation, I want to see people who are from other places in the world who get to fall under this umbrella to come to the conversation and be honest about your fucking anti blackness. Keep that shit real so that we can move forward because black people, we talk about our own shit. We've been doing this shit for years. Oh, After, that's why everybody right. here is black because everybody was like, I wanna have the conversation yeah. but everybody else is running away. So when you're mm. running towards these POCs, remember that they're running away from you sometimes. So you need to get your yeah. shit together. That's a black people message. But right that's there.
0: also to Jimmy's point, right? Exactly. Like the yeah. idea of let's work together. I think it sounds good in theory, theory. Mm-hmm. but in practice, what it looks like is we lean towards power. Look at the black we movement, lean towards power. the black movement, move black men forward Mm -hmm. that's what we did the look at the women's movement it moved white women forward because there is power already among the the ways in which they are already connected to white male patriarchal capitalistic right there's already that connection So there's a lack of desire to work from the margins because that's where we actually would have to work. Mm -hmm. You have to work with the most marginalized people because a rising tide lifts all boats, but everybody is so interested in what they want for themselves while being able to go ahead and make those POCs, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not, I'm black, but I'm gonna make me a POC. I wanna be over there where I can be as far from black as I can be. And we're doing all of this stuff and we're saying, let's work together. And I'm looking like, but how does that work, right? Because what we know that history has taught us is that we will work From the space of power and not from the space of
6: marginalization. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to let white supremacy off the hook here because the reason for the season.
0: Exactly.
6: (laughs) Going back to your point, within that little community, it's the unifier is not the language, it's anti blackness because it's not the black poppies that are in that. that. It's not not any person that looks like me. And and it almost seems like white supremacy is, is okay with letting everybody else get up except for people that have melanin. Mm-hmm. and and African features yeah. because if you read the history of this country, what happened in 1919, you know, we did that. We were building our place all over. Everybody knows about Tulsa, but they don't know about Elaine. They don't know about Wilmington. They don't know about everywhere. Everybody, Everybody just learned about all of the towns that have highways going through them. It's, That's true. The anti-blackness is so perverse that the second that we do come together and unify, there has been external circun, uh, external circumstances, meaning white supremacy, come in and take that away from us. And you're allowed to come up in any other diasporic-derived group as long as you swear fealty to white supremacy mm-hmm. and, and double down on your anti-blackness. So they don't mind that the, the poppies come up as long as they're the white poppies, mm-hmm. as long as they're the, mm-hmm. the racially ambiguous ones, or the ones that, you know, maybe you look a little more indigenous. The second that you have a community like the Garifuna community, when they try to establish something, y'all are black. Y'all got to get out of here and they destroy their stuff, too. Exactly. And y'all speak
2: Spanish, too. We could talk for hours, but that is our show for today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and notification bell so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Stranger Fruit.
1: And special thanks to our incredible crew behind the scenes, our amazing producers who make this show possible. And to the Gentleman's Factory for providing this beautiful studio that we get to call our home right here in Brooklyn.
2: We'll see you next time. Peace.